بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد رب يسر ولا تعسر وتمن بالخير وبك نستعين يا فتاح رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقطة من لسان يفقه قولي رب زدني علما والحقني بالصالحين سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم سبحانك لا فهم لنا إلا ما فهمت لنا إنك أنت الجواد الكريم my dear respected elders, brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once an individual comprehends the meaning of the call, acknowledges its importance, and prioritizes it to the top of the list of tasks and engagements to complete in life, swiftly moving along thereafter to fulfill the obligation, is treated in return by Allah with high level of grace, honor, and respect. And why should a pilgrim not be treated in this manner? For they are the guests of Allah. And who can host better than Allah? Can anyone? No. Today we want to understand how virtuous this pillar is in the sight of Allah and how esteemed is the practices of it. Piece by piece, action by action, we look into it through the words of his apostle Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Before we go into this field, let us understand the converting method or we should go to the currency exchange center. How do we convert deeds performed for hasanat or ajr or rewards obtained. How does this conversion occur? We need to acknowledge this first. My dear friends, the principle for rewards are laid out in both the Quran and the Sunnah. In the Kitab, in the Quran, we read, Man ja'a bil hasana, man ja'a bil hasana, falahu ashru amthaliha. The rule is simple. Whoever brings to me Allah saying one, I give in return ten. Simple. And in the hadith of Rasulullah, sometimes there's some bonuses. A person makes intention to do good. But for some reason they are not able to do so. Allah writes for them one deed. A person makes an intention and then he pursues and perfects and completes that task. Allah will give them the rewards. Base 10 more on how much Allah wills. Look at this just to make sure that we don't take the negative side also. A person makes intention to do a sin. Nothing is written. A person commits the sin. Allah tells angels, do not write. Do not write. Give a few moments for my servant to acknowledge that they did wrong. In that course of acknowledgement they may repent if they repent I will forgive and there's no need to write say subhanallah on one intention a reward in special seasons special benefits are tagged onto what is present we know 10 is a base special increases bonuses etc for example the holy month of Ramadan that just passed us Rasulullah informed us that this is the month in one nafil is equivalent to a Farad. And one farad is multiplied 70 times. So there are seasons, there are occasions when the 10 can be multiplied. 
looking towards the daily deeds that we perform, if we perform them in a certain manner, this can also result in increase of ajr and reward. For example, performance of salah. We pray fajr, dhuhr, asr, maghrib, isha every day. But to perform it in congregation, in jama'ah, the reward increases 25 to 27 times. And then to pray it with jama'ah in the masjid, it continues to grow. Hajj, my dear brothers and sisters, which is a combination of a seasonal act with daily deeds. When you go Hajj, you pray also. So it's a combination of a seasonal act and daily deeds. It holds special levels of rewards as has been informed to us by Habib Mustafa Let us explore them in an orderly manner. Firstly, my dear friends, one makes intention. Inshallah, I want to go for Hajj. Intention. Then finances are the first thing to move forth prior to this journey. Even before you go, your money has to go. Because there are bookings and reservations that have to be made and are required to be made in order for you to travel. So the first thing after intention is the financial sacrifice. What do I get in return for it? What does one garner in return for this? Buraida radiallahu reports that Rasulullah said, the expenses incurred during the Hajj, once you make the intention, your Hajj has begun. Because now it's a preparation mode. Then it's the execution mode. And then it's a preservation mode. And then it's the returning mode. So right now, we are sacrificing this money. The expenses incurred during Hajj is rewarded 700 times. Say SubhanAllah. 700 times. The common, the average package for Hajj is $8,000. Multiply that by 7, you're talking $5,600,000. If a person had that that money, alhamdulillah, mashallah, people have the money. If they had that money, would they use 5,600,000 on a hajj? Question mark. But when you spend what you are spending, Allah multiplies it, hence the reward is as if you spent 5,600,000. In a further hadith, Rasulullah said, for spending one dirham in hajj is equivalent to 40 million. The reward is 40 million fold. In discussion of this same point, Imam Ghazali rahimahullah writes, extravagance that is prohibited means to spend on delicious food and drink. But when it comes to spending on the people of the holy places and on this holy journey in abundance, there is no question of extravagance. Here that is moved. That clause not to be extravagant is moved because in Hajj, wherever you spend, however you spend, there is no extravagance. There is reward upon reward. Once Rasulullah said to Aisha radiallahu the reward for your Umrah is determined by the amount you spend on it. That is, the more you spend, the more you shall be rewarded. Once the bookings are confirmed, before we go, we need to confirm the bookings, the flight, and the tickets are in hand. 
and the passports return back with the visa, now you're practically on your way, insha'Allah. But it's not easy done, I said. When a person says, I'm going to Hajj, it's not like saying, I'm going to Tampa. Because this journey is a lengthy and turbulent one. Through seven time zones, a strenuous and draining ordeal. Just as in every voyage of life, the risk of fatality exists in Hajj also. You could drive home and pass away in a car accident, that's what Allah may have destined. Hajj is one of those many journeys that we take in our life where the risk of dying is also present. One of the most common compiled risk data is in traveling and the various modes of traveling. For example, the figures from the National Center of Health Statistics suggest that the lifetime odds of dying in a plane crash is 1 in 20,000. The same figures for dying in a car accident, they put at 1 in 100. Dying in a sinking ship is quite unlikely, but you have a 1 in 1,008 chances of drowning. And in a train crash, it's 1 in 500,000. Question I want to ask here is what will I get in its return if I were to die at some point during the invitation by my host? My host is Allah. He invited me. While I'm in Hajj, I die. What will Allah give to me for this? What will Allah do for me? Better yet, if I were to die on the way to Him, or if I were to die on return from Him, will He do anything for me or my family? If it was a human host, no, because you are no longer his responsibility. You are not in his responsibility zone. This didn't occur in his house. If Allah is to do something, what will Allah do? We turn again to the hadith. Abu Hurairah he reports that Rasulullah said, whoever sets forth in a journey to perform hajj, and he passes away along the route. For him shall be written the reward of a hajj until qiyamah. A reward of a hajj till qiyamah. So if a person was going on hajj today and he passed away from 2013 to maybe 3050 when the world ends. And that's just a thrown out number. Imam is not prophesizing or saying that the world's ending in 3050. But if it was to be, every year one hajj say subhanallah. And that's just the beginning. Whoever sets forth to perform umrah and passes away on route, for him shall be written one umrah till the day of judgment. Such is the reward of a hajj. And a person who was en route to become a haji or who was just returning as a haji. In a hadith in Targhib we read, When a person sets forth to perform hajj or umrah and passes away en route, he shall not be brought before Allah for judgment. He dies, he will not stand in front of Allah for judgment. Nor will he have to give account. It shall be said to him, go to paradise. It shall be said to him, go to paradise. 
In one hadith it is stated, whoever passes away while in ihram shall rise up on the day of Qiyamah reciting Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik. What is more closer of a connection aside from doing sujood and prostrating before Allah than to say Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik in the state of ihram going towards Arafat in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the vicinity of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this person will get up on the day of Qiyamah as a representative as a haji say subhanallah such a great thing this is in a hadith Rasulullah said the house of Allah is one of the pillars of Islam whoever sets forth from his house to perform hajj or umrah and dies on the way shall enter paradise and whoever returns after performing it now we're talking a lot about dying here but a person returns they return with great reward and a mass of wealth wealth here means that the individual shall be reimbursed for every penny every dollar they spend on hajj in a hadith it is written the best manner for a person in which to die is after when he dies completing the Hajj or the fasting of Ramadan. This hadith written in Kanz. Why? Because in both scenarios a person has died free from sin. For Hajj purifies, Ramadan purifies. We cannot doubt it. Now once a person completes a journey and he returns back to his family and dwelling place, the true picture of it all from the beginning to the end, begins to manifest in the entirety. What just happened in the last three weeks? Where did I go? I can't believe I went to Hajj and I came back. How did I go? How did I accomplish all this? What was the manner and the condition and the circumstances? A person cannot comprehend what just transpired. An individual is in such awe that what just happened? Such a great journey. But in similar fashion, the dent in one's finances due to all the expenditure and the magnitude of one's workload due to the weeks of absence begin to divert our attention from what we just accomplished to what we need to get back to. Look, I wanted to spend 8,000 but I ended up spending 11,000. I need to start working back and make that money up. And I left my office for three weeks. Look at these piles of, of folders and, and, and cases on my desk. I need to get back to work. Question is, will my worldly human host be there for me then? When I depart from their house and say, we had a great time with you, we had a great vacation, and when we get back home and we see what it did to us, will our host come and help us? No. Why? Because we have no connection anymore. We enjoyed and we're back. Because I've just returned from my time off or from my vacation to reality. If my worldly host is kind enough, he might give me a call. And when I relate to him, I got so many things backed up. He'll give me some words of confidence. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what kind of host is he? What does Allah do for you and I after we turn from Hajj? Let's look at our finances, number one. Jabir radiallahu reports, Rasulullah said, A Haji never becomes poor or destitute. You spend money, Allah will reimburse you one way or the other. But Allah will also put a seal assuring that you will never become poor. To elucidate this, Rasulullah said performing Hajj and Umrah many times drives away poverty.
It is not the more you invest in the different various places you invest or the different jobs you do will assure financial safety for you and your family. No. You go to Allah's house and Allah says every time you come to me, poverty is drifted away further and further from you. In a hadith, Rasulullah said, Continuous Hajj and Umrah prevents a Muslim from leaving this life with a bad ending and keeps away poverty. That is why in one hadith, Rasulullah instructed us, Perform Hajj and become rich. Perform Hajj and become rich. Travel and become healthy. In other words, when you travel to different places, the change of air and weather often bring about better health. So in reality, financially, you're never losing. You're always gaining. In the hadith, Rasulullah said, Hajj and Umrah keeps away poverty and sin in the same way that fire removes rust from the iron. Not only will you be protected from the poverty, but another poverty is the poverty of the hereafter. A person comes with piles and mountains of good deeds, but due to certain sins, those deeds are eliminated. No, Allah will protect you from the worldly poverty and the afterlife poverty as well. Now we go back to the workload. Look at that workload set behind for you due to your absence. My dear brothers and sisters, this time was taken out exclusively for the service of Allah. To serve the deen of Allah by means of rectification of oneself, resulting in better representation of Islam by becoming a practical Muslim. Allah subhanahu values it. To the extent that the Holy Quran says, In tansurullaha yansurkum wa yuthabbit aqadamakum. You help Allah. Does Allah need our help? No, He does not. But if you help Allah by means of doing for His religion, and when you do for His religion, you're doing for yourself, not for Him. Allah will help you in return. So that pile, that workload, Allah will be there to help you. And not only will He help you, He will firm your feet. He will give you more stability. He will grant you more confidence and the ability to endure and succeed and accomplish. Why is Allah's help necessary? If Allah is to help you, no one can overpower you. But if you reject Allah and Allah humiliates you, who will help you then? Allah is asking. That is why in hadith Rasulullah said, Man kana lillah, kana Allahu lahu. Whoever comes for Allah, whoever submits themselves for Allah, Allah becomes theirs. Any trip, my dear brothers and sisters, that we return to, be a business trip, a family trip, or a vacation, you seldom see people coming, dropping by, visiting you, specifically inquiring about your journey. How was your trip to Disney World this weekend? How was your trip back home to see your family? It seldomly happens. Mostly, the odd people call, colleagues at work or friends will inquire when you bump into them. Our supreme host, who is our supreme host? I can't hear you. Who's our supreme host? Allah. He loves you and I so much that when a person departs from him, he sends the creation to that individual. Inquiring, honoring, and applauding your a great accomplishment in such a great noble deed. Forget when you reach home. The honor begins from the time that you return. 
When you begin that journey back, the honor begins. Umar reports that Rasulullah said, when you meet a haji on his way home, greet him, shake his hands, and ask him to beg forgiveness of Allah on your behalf before he enters his home. For his prayer for forgiveness is accepted since he is forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instructed. You meet him on the journey. You meet him in the airport. You meet him somewhere. You tell him, pray for me. I request you, beg Allah for my forgiveness. In the hadith, Rasulullah said, The mujahid, the one who strives in the path of Allah, and the haji are members of Allah's deputation. Whenever they beseech of Allah is granted to them, and whatever they beg of him, they receive. Let me explain to you the difference. A mujahid is one who willingly sacrifices for Allah. There are people, today I was given a video uh, from Indonesia. It was called Save Maryam Program. It's a very detailed program of how Muslims are drifting away from Islam in the most densely populated Muslim country on the earth. It's another topic. A person says, I need to go help my Muslim brothers and sisters. He willingly goes and teaches them. In the eyes of Allah, he is a mujahid. Taliban al-Qaeda are not mujahid. Mujahid is one who willingly goes to help strengthen, preserve, protect, better the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he did it willingly. A hajj is obligated to go. He's ordained upon him the hajj. But Allah's eyes, they're both the same. Why? Because they're both making sacrifice for Allah. From their time, their wealth, and their health. So whatever they ask from Allah, Allah will grant it to them. That is why in a hadith, Rasulullah prayed over and over again, Allahumma ghfir lil hajj, waliman istaghfara lahu hajj. Allah forgive the sins of the haji. Allah forgive the sins of the haji, and forgive the sins of him whom the haji prays for. In a hadith, Rasulullah said, sorry, it is reported that Umar said, the haji has the pardon of Allah, until the 20th of Rabi'ul Awal. Allah answers his prayers in which he begs forgiveness for anyone. My dear brothers and sisters, that's three consecutive months after the Hajj. That is why you see the custom that when the elders used to come from Hajj in back home countries, everyone used to go and visit them. Anyone came for Hajj, not only we used to go and see them off at the airport, but we used to be there to receive them. Why? Honor that the host has granted to the guests by telling the creation, go and find me through that individual, say subhanAllah. Such amazing thing. Contemplate. My dear brothers and sisters, the four mentioned categories, monetary sacrifice, the journey, the post-journey condition and effect, allowed us to reflect upon the returns of this one deed in this world. Right? What is in store for us in the Akhirah? What is in store for Haji in the afterlife? Two things. Number one, he gets what he asks for himself. Fulil ibn Ayyad rahimahullah is a famous Sufi saint. He once exclaimed on the plains of Arafah, should this huge assembly of people come begging for a cent, 
Not a combined cent, not everyone a cent, because if you've got a million people asking for a cent, that's a million cents. Now we do the math, that's a lot of money here. Everyone comes asking just for a cent. At the door of the most generous person, do you foresee that he shall send them back disappointed? People said, no, we cannot see him refusing them, and he can't refuse them because they'll just storm his door and they'll take more than a cent, right? It's just one cent they're asking for. Here, take it and go. He said, I swear by Allah that for Allah to forgive them all is so much easier than for the generous person to grant assent. Allah will grant you pardon and forgiveness. It's much easier for Allah to do it than it is for the creation of Allah to give all these people one cent. This is what you'll get in the Akhirah for yourself and for the others. Abu Musa radiallahu reports that Rasulullah said, The Haji shall intercede on behalf of 400 families. Or he said 400 people on the Day of Judgment. And verily does he return from Hajj sinless as on the day his mother gave birth to him. My dear brothers and sisters, the fact that the Haji shall intercede on behalf of 400 families or 400 individuals is a figure of speech representing that a Haji, due to his purity, due to his connection, due to his acknowledgement of his existence and purpose of existence on this earth, will continue to follow suit and will die in a similar manner on the Day of Judgment. For whomsoever he asks Allah from his family members to pardon and be forgiven, Allah will grant that pardon. Allah will accept the intercession and Allah will forgive those souls. My dear brothers and sisters, all this was for the Hajj. A duty to Allah. A prescribed worship in a certain location. If one were to complete it and thereafter move to another location to gain additional blessings. Now as they say nowadays, combine business with pleasure. We're going to go on a business trip, we'll take some time out and we'll go sightseeing also. Here we are trying to combine a tremendous reward of Hajj with additional rewards. Is this possible? Yes, it is. If it is possible after the Hajj, go to Medina Munawwara. Go to the lightened city, the city of Muhammad and visit the Masjid al-Nabawi with regard to this, Muhammad said, The person who visits me after my demise will receive the same blessings as the person who visited me during my lifetime. Rasulullah also said, The person who goes for Hajj and does not visit me has demonstrated great impoliteness towards me. So now you've seen Allah. You visited the house of Allah. Come and visit me also. Who is saying this? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And visiting the grave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi you will not be deprived of any blessings. For prayer in Masjid Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam, Rasulullah said, person who offers one salah shall get reward of a thousand salah. So in conclusion here today, my dear brothers and sisters, layer by layer, Slowly but surely, we are moving inwards towards the core of Hajj. This practice which brought humanity together for centuries can continue doing the same for centuries more. So long as we embrace and comprehend it to be more than just an act and more than just a duty. We will continue next week with the practices of Hajj. How powerful, effective, and meaningful they truly are. 
before we end, my dear brothers and sisters, this is a holy journey. This is a holy journey, a life-changing one. Do it soon, do it right, and do it whilst Allah has given you the power and might. Umar has reported to have said, the best haji is he whose intention is pure and sincere, whose provisions for the way are the best, and who has faith in Allah the strongest. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant everyone from the Ummah of Rasulullah a successful and accepted Hajj. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhiru da'wan. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.